Well, good morning. Welcome to the Firm Foundation Church. Whether you're watching us live right now on YouTube or you are here with our Facebook community as we greet you in the chat, but that means you're still alive and we are grateful for that. And we're also grateful that you chose to worship with us on this morning. And so before we move forward, we're gonna ask you to go ahead and click that share button. And if you're on YouTube, go ahead and click subscribe so that you can be notified every time we go live or we post new content. But today we start a new sermon series. We start a new sermon series called, I Dare You To Be Free. I Dare You To Be Free. And so uh, today the first message is entitled, Are We There Yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? In our journey towards freedom and wholeness, we must remember that old ways will not open new doors. Old ways won't open new doors. And we must see beyond our present reality to a deeper truth. We must see beyond our present reality into a deeper truth. Now, there's a scripture that Renee read for us earlier on this morning and I want to read it again in your hearing as we prepare for the sermon. And it reads in John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And now in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool in Hebrew, Bethsaida, which has five porches. And these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. And when the water is stirred up and while I am making my way, someone else stepped down ahead of me. And Jesus said to him, stand up, take up your mat and walk. At once, the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. While this is a story of healing and wholeness from centuries ago, I want to highlight the value that it brings to us on today. And while it is speaking of those who are differently abled, I do not wish to gloss over the fact that the healing power of God can heal the physical and I want to iterate the fact that the divine can bring freedom and, and liberation to unseen things such as our conscious and limited beliefs. The scene opens, the writer begins to describe this as a place of gathering of those in the need of healing. It describes people there who are in need of different forms of healing so that they could maneuver through life freely. Some were blind. Some were paralyzed. Some had issues in their legs that prevented their free movement. And while their conditions may have been different, they all had the same expectation, wholeness and freedom. They are at the Sheep Gate in Bethsaida, which means the house of mercy, the house of grace. They were in a space of healing and wholeness and still did not get well. They were in a place of healing, but were still in fragmented pieces. Is this you who go week after week to places of healing and you're still in the same condition? You go, those who go to houses of grace and houses of mercy, but yet you remain 
fragmented and your life remains in shambles. Those who go to therapists week after week, yet you see no progression in your condition, but you've been there for a long time. Like this man, you have been there for a long time. If this is you on today, the message is for you. The message is for you. Legend says that uh, an angel would visit and trouble the water at this place where they gathered. The angel would come on its own accord in its own season. There was no invite to RSVP for the troubling of the water. The angel just randomly showed up and stirred the water. And the one who made it into the pool first is the one who would receive their healing and their freedom. I wonder what it felt like for this man to be consistently in a place of healing and see others claim their healing, but year after year after year be in the same condition. 38 years is a long time. Here's the reality. The odds were stacked against him. The odds were stacked against everyone who were at that pool. All of these people were in need of something. However, there was only one angel that showed up at one particular time and only one person could get in the pool, thereby only one person receiving healing. But year after year after year, they gathered at this place known for healing. Day after day, his condition remains unchanged. So inquiring minds would want to know, was there another way? Was there another way for them to access their healing? Was there another option? Perhaps the people at this pool were so addicted to the possibility of healing. Were they addicted to seeing other people get healed that they were so willing to wait just out of the possibility of being healed? Think about it. They weren't even waiting in some uniform fashion, meaning that they were not lining up one after the other and letting the other one getting that healing. It was just whoever stepped into the pool first. They were just at the pool watching and waiting and not even knowing if they were next in line for a miracle. The, the odds were stacked against every person at this pool. And we have to wonder what keeps them coming to this pool day after day, year after year, after year, hoping, wishing, and waiting. I would say that these people who gathered at this pool were not like the lepers that we read about over and over again in the Bible. Remember, the lepers were put outside of the community, outside of the village, outside of their camp so that they would not contaminate the rest of the camp. They were placed on the margins of society. But what they would do is find other lepers and create their own community, a community where they could tell their stories and tell what they had been through. But I want to call the people this morning that gather at this pool, the pool gatherers, the pool gatherers. They were here out of choice. And they had one thing in common and they gathered for the potential of being healed, just for the potential of being healed. The possibility of healing was so low, but they continued together year after year. 
Is it possible that these people began to form a community around this pool, telling the stories of their similar conditions, how their life had not been as everybody else because they were differently abled? Maybe they formed a community community based on that. Maybe they began to depend on the, each other. Maybe the blind man depended on the paralyzed man to tell him which way to go. And maybe the lame man depended on the blind man to get what he needed, to go and get something that he needed. And so it is likely that they began to form dependencies on each other in order to survive. Hmm. Maybe they shared their story. Maybe they shared their narratives so that they did not feel alone at this pool. Maybe they had found a community at this pool. There are positive benefits to having people around you who share your condition. But we also need people in our lives and at the pool with us who help us move beyond our current circumstance. We need well-rounded circles anytime there is a group gathering because of a common condition. We always need someone present whose level of consciousness is high enough to shift the space, to raise the consciousness beyond the current condition to what can be. Or else the group continues to feed off of the same level of consciousness they are at. They continue to feed off of each other. And so we must uncover the negative side of always being around people whose life is just a mirror for us or whose life is just an echo back to us about our same condition. What I mean is that people who echo back to us everything we say can cripple us. When we only identify with others out of our own pain and our own shame stories, this may provide some relief for us. It may be empowering for us to begin to tell our story and realize that I have a similar narrative as my sister or as my brother. But we must do so in a way where it provides transformational value. We must do things in a way that move us forward and not keep us stuck to a storyline. When we find ourselves attending churches, listening to sermons and to podcasts and TV um, programming that never takes us beyond our present condition, that never challenges us, where we find and follow people on social media that only post memes that identify with our current condition. We have set ourselves up for failure. We have set ourselves up to remain stuck in our current condition. Those who are broken need to be reminded that healing is a possibility and that their current condition is not their conclusion. And they need those who will show up and call them to a higher level of consciousness and not allow them to wallow in the mud as their life continues right before them. Somebody has to remind you that there is a deeper truth beyond your tainted reality. Maybe you are looking at life through a lens of trauma and somebody has to remind you that that is not the truth. It may be your reality, but it is not the truth. Be careful with only placing people around you who never tell you the truth 
who never call you higher, who never agitate you. They will have you waiting at the pool for 38 years when healing is available to you. Every now and then you need agitators in your life. I call them holy agitators. <laughs> they will ask you questions that seem redundant. They will ask you questions that don't even seem logical to you. They will make you clutch your pearls and every now and then make you go and hide out of the audacity that they asked you a question about something that you chose and wanted to hide within them, that they did not agree with your victim story. And so you run and hide and you pause because you're not ready for that. But the question this morning, are we there yet? Because they see beyond your mask, behind the hesitation, behind your pause. And God placed them there to agitate you and to help you rise to the occasion in your own strength. Not in their strength, but your holy agitators want to see you rise in your own strength. They don't want dependencies. They want to see you stand up on your own. You need holy agitators that call a spade a spade and they don't care if they never see you again. If you never give another dime into the treasury. But they know that they are there to do what God assigned them to do in your life. And thereby their life will be blessed regardless if you run away from the path or not. When you get tired of waiting at the pool, when you get exhausted from hearing your own victim story, you might just look around and realize that your God is already there and that your God has always been there looking and watching, but just waiting on you. It's kind of like a kid being in the back seat on a road trip asking, are we there yet? Your God is literally wondering when you will reach that point where you will drop that storyline, stop taking out the things that are in your bag to show everybody, this is mine, this is what happened to me. Are we there yet? When are you ready to lay that down to the side and say, I want to create something new in my life? And God has often placed a God there for you. And God's know this until you're ready, there is no need to step on that path with you. There is no need to step on that path with you. We watch from a distance, we gauge, and we ask in our own way, are you there yet? Are we there yet? Are you ready for this? Are you ready to create something new or are you stuck in the past? While there are guys all around you, both physical and spiritual, you have to be willing to take the journey. And until you're at that point, we are not your guide yet. We are not your God yet. We are taught not to exert unnecessary energy in places and spaces where we are not welcomed, right? So I need you to ask yourself this morning, are you there yet? to move beyond the possibility of just freedom to being free, to move from worshiping the broken pieces in your life to surrendering to wholeness. What if the things in your backpack right now, today, 
are meant to be laid down on the path and you to move forward without them and only reference your past in a way that brings about transformational value. But when you begin to reference your path to seek to provide blame and shame for another, that doesn't bring about transformational value in you. Those lower energies, those lower emotions are not about transformational value. Are you willing to lay that backpack down today? Are you willing to say, I'm going to set that right here on my path in this chapter of my life, but I know that I can reauthor the next chapter of my life. Are you there yet? That is the only way that you can create something new in your life when you're ready to take responsibility for what happens, how you handle what happens going forward. Or else you will continue to draw things, places, and people into your life that help support your identity as a victim. When you give your victim story so much power over you and your life, you do attract abusers and users. You attract situations that allow you to continue to play the role as victim. And what I want to say this morning is that there's no need to con continue to point fingers outside of yourself. You must look at yourself. You must deal with what happened and you must then make a choice if you're going to move forward or always cling to that as something to fall back on. Because as long as you have a story to back, fall back on in the past, you won't be accountable to yourself and those in your life in the future. It's like the casting call for a play. Different people showed up in your life and you subconsciously, subconsciously chose the characters to help you keep your leading role as victim. You subconsciously, subconsciously chose and called people into your drama to help you maintain your role. And so the spotlight could stay on you in this story. The law of attraction is real. One operating in victim consciousness will attract and call abusers and users to them because you're sending out that energy. But there is hope. There's always the potential for healing and freedom. But I want to move you beyond the potential of freedom and the potential of healing to actually being free. I dare you to be free this morning. I dare you to be free. And the only question I have for you this morning is, are you there yet? Are you there yet? As a guide, I can't take you anywhere you don't want to go. It is not my job to convince you to go anywhere. But when you're ready to simply respond to the question, are you there yet? This week, I want you to take time and get your journal and think about the things that may be your victim story. Look in all other areas of your life. Sometimes we think we're only victims in relationships, but think about systems and jobs and the things that we claim and point out to. And sometimes we use that as a crutch, not to be empowered and, and to build something new and to create a new life. 
Don't allow what happened to you or systems that are, exist that seem to somehow overpower you. They will never overpower you because the Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But what things are you allowing to be a crutch for you? And when you're ready to truly work through that, to truly look at yourself and take accountability and be in spaces where we don't allow excuses, then you're ready. Then you're ready. God, we come to you this morning thanking you for your son, Jesus, who died for our sins. God, for those of us who may today have been convicted, maybe just hearing the word victim story raise their consciousness that there is another way. Maybe this sermon was for them that they can move beyond what has been to what you've shown them their life has been like. And so today we ask that you would meet us in this space, our true healer, our true redeemer. We thank you for the guys that you have sent us on this journey and we honor them. We honor them. We promise not to abuse them and use them and take up their time when we are not ready. And so God, we ask today to help us to truthfully answer, are we there yet? And if we are not there, God, Show us how to get there. God, if we need to continue therapy or to start therapy, God, show us. If we need to simply have holy agitators in our life that don't become our best friends, but will call a spade a spade and keep it moving, God, show us that. But give us the courage. Give us the courage to be on the path of healing, God, because it takes courage. And so, God, today we lean into you. We lean into your Holy Spirit and we know that you're well able to take us from just laying at the pool, <laughs> from just being at the pool, from just being a pool gatherer to actually taking up our bed and walking. We know that you're able to heal. We know that you're able to deliver. I personally know that you're able to heal. I personally know that you're able to deliver. And so, God, I pray that for the people today that are listening, God. We thank you. We adore you. We magnify you. We call you holy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Next week, we're going to pick up again right here in this same passage. So I want you to take time to go and read John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9, and read it in more than one version of the Bible. But we're going to pick up right here. This particular passage is the theme for our entire sermon series. So I need you to go and read it. And this week, ask yourself, am I there yet? Am I there yet? Now go in peace and walk in power. Bye-bye.